Well, this weekend we're going to continue our series in base camp. Um, have you enjoyed it so far? Has, has it been a good series? Has it been a meaningful series? Has anybody been impacted by that? I, I'm sorry, I can't hear you because my headphones are in, so you're going to have to do louder, louder than that. There we go. Okay, thank you. <laughs> well, our speaker this weekend is a very good friend of mine whose doppelganger happens to be the leader of a country music tour in Eastern Canada. No joke, was in Nashville, I saw some of them. But this guy is uh, way cooler than that. Country music's cool, but uh, preaching the word of God is better. Sometime we'll have both here, I promise you that. My buddy Chris Taves, give him a huge, huge Church 214 welcome as he brings the word this morning. Thank you, Phil. That was quite the introduction. Well, like Phil said, welcome to what is the sixth installment of our series, Base Camp. Uh, we've been studying the first portion of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the section called the Beatitudes. And there are eight of these Beatitudes, these beautiful attitudes uh, or blessings. And one by one, we've, we're, we're studying them over this eight-week period of time. So we're in the sixth week now. And just a refresher, if you haven't been with us, these Beatitudes are really internal conditions that have external results. And it's been so cool to see how each one builds upon one another and each one also overlaps one another. And I love the fact that these Beatitudes, these attitudes to live by, that Jesus both complements yet contrasts the Old Testament law and the commandments. And rather than saying, don't do this and you'll receive a consequence, he says, do this and you'll receive a blessing. Live this way inwardly and you'll receive this blessing outwardly. So week six, we come to the sixth beatitude is found in Matthew chapter five, verse eight. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The message translation says it this way, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right, because then you can see God in the outside world. So before we go any farther, farther would you pray with me this morning? Father, we come to you this morning thankful and grateful for who you are, thankful that we can meet in a place like this, that we can we can proclaim your name and lift the name of Jesus high. And God, we, uh, we say to you that we're ready to hear your voice this morning. We know that you desire hearts that are pure, hearts that chase after you, because if our hearts are clean, then we can see you. We can experience you. If our hearts are pure, then nothing will muffle the sound of your voice in our life. That's our desire, God. So, Father, as we chase after this blessing of this beatitude, which is to see and experience you, show us what it means to have a pure heart. 
Holy Spirit, speak to each of us as only you can do. Divide this word into a thousand pieces to penetrate each and every heart in this place. Plant this word deep inside of our hearts that the fruit of this message would be sweet and it would have lasting impact in our lives. May we leave this place changed different than when we came in this morning, transformed and obedient to the sound of your voice. And all God's people said, amen, so be it. Growing up, there was a particular thing, I'm sure there was more than one, but there's one particular thing that I did not enjoy doing. And my parents who are here today, um, hi mom and dad, they can probably attest to this. I despised yard work. I did not enjoy gardening. Um, yeah, I hear, I hear an amen. But, you know, of all the turnips we planted, Dad, and the potatoes, there was a lot of turnips to eat. I don't think we could eat them all. But now I'm grateful for those memories. At the time, I may have uh, not enjoyed it, but, but boy, good memories now. But yeah, I did not like yard work. Detested it, hated it. But it's a necessary evil, is it not? Well, more recently, I found myself actually enjoying mowing the lawn. Now, don't get any crazy ideas. I'm not coming over to your house to mow your yard. I've got enough to do on my own, okay? But I found myself enjoying this, this aspect of just being kind of alone and, and, a, and a mundane task and outside with God and just being kind of in my happy place, being able to hear God's voice more clearly. And it's probably a sign of getting older. I don't know. Maybe some of you that are older than myself can attest to that, or maybe you still hate doing yard work. Now, I don't necessarily love all yard work, but I'm saying I enjoy it more, I respect it more than I used to. But you know what it's like if you have a home and have a yard or a garden. It's constant, isn't it? Yard work is constant. You can't, you can't just let it go for a couple months. I mean, the moment you trim one bush, the moment you prune one tree, the moment you pull one weed, it all starts growing back again. In fact, if you don't continually monitor and manage your yard, you're going to be faced with a potentially disastrous situation. It can be overwhelming if you don't take care of it on a day-to-day -day basis. You know what I'm talking about, especially this time of year, the leaves are falling, you've you got all left not to do on your plate, but you've got to clean those leaves up or you're going to have a problem in the winter or the spring. So yard work, gardening, that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. But not the yard work or gardening in the physical sense at your house, but instead the yard work and gardening internally of our hearts our minds, our innermost being. You see, if we're not continually gardening our heart and pruning our mind and trimming and picking up the junk on the inside, then there's no way that we'll be able to see and experience God through all the weeds and the tall grass and the junk that we have growing up in our life. And, and this may seem like a simple concept, but I just want to point it out. This message is for all of us. It's for me, it's for you, it's for the person here whose heart and mind have so much junk and weeds grown up around it that the city has slapped a pink citation on the door of your heart. It's for that person, but it's also for the person who is keeping their heart clean, who's doing a good job, and, and feels, and rightly so, that, that you're keeping your heart pure and clean. 
and it's for everyone in between that spectrum. Listen to me carefully, because it only takes one weed to start to choke out the voice of Jesus. It only takes one unpruned branch to block the sun from view. And if your vine starts to get too tall, then pride takes over, and it will crush your heart from hearing the voice of God. See, all of us desperately need this message today. Jesus said it this way, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You know, there's a tree in my front yard, and for the last three, four, five months, every morning when I drive by it, I pull out, I think to myself, Chris, you have got to prune that tree. It is getting out of control. You can't even see up the street anymore. And I've had that thought, but you know, just like all of you, I'm busy and it's kind of fallen to the lowest point on, on my priority list. So a couple months ago, maybe a month and a half, one Saturday, I'm mowing the grass and I had literally thought about that tree as I'm mowing. My neighbor comes over with his big long pruning shears and he goes, hey, do you mind if I prune your tree for you? Now, pause for a second, a couple of things here. If your neighbor comes over and offers to do free yard work for you, your yard is probably getting out of control, yes? And then secondly, if your neighbor comes over and offers to do free yard work for you, the answer is, yes, please. So, of course, I said, absolutely, go to town, have at it. And, and he did. And you have to know my neighbor, he's a great guy. He actually used to be in the tree trimming business. So it, my tree was probably driving him bonkers. Probably driving him bananas. But I said, sure, go to town. I kept mowing and he started trimming my tree. And as I would make my mowing passes up in the front yard, I'd notice it becoming clearer. And at the end of the day, when he was done, it was a tree that I'd have to crouch down almost on my knees to mow under, and now I could walk under it. There's all this room, sunlight's coming through the tree. I can see up the street. It's a beautiful thing. Do you want to prune some more of my trees? So why am I talking about gardening and pruning today? Let's go back to our verse. Blessed are the pure in heart. The word for pure in the Greek is katharos. It means clean or pure, like a vine cleansed by pruning and so fitting to bear fruit. The same word for pure, katharos, is found three other times in the New Testament. Twice in John 15. And if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd invite you to turn to John 15 and let's look there. This is Jesus talking. He's using a vineyard analogy. John 15, verse 1. I, Jesus, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. That's a whole message right there. Verse 2. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes, katharos, there it is, he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. Verse 3. You have already been pruned and purified, katharos, by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Verse 8, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my Father. So let's go back to Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure, the catharos, the pruned in heart, for they will see, and that word for see literally means to experience God. They will experience God. So if our hearts are properly planted and pruned and plugged into the source, Jesus, and our root systems are right, digging down into him, the result becomes seeing and experiencing God. Check this out. The state of your inside determines your insight. You and I are branches, and we are useless unless we are part of the vine, who is Jesus. And our purpose as branches is not to just grow willy-nilly as branches. Our purpose as branches is to produce fruit. We're fruit producers. And check this out. He prunes us even when we are producing fruit so that we will produce more fruit, better fruit, sweeter fruit. The Amplified Bible says it this way. He cuts away, trims off, takes away, and he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. You see, no scab or scar or pruning in your life is in vain. There's nothing that is wasted with God. And what you think is a scar is actually a beautiful design. And what you think is a stain is actually his glory being portrayed. You see, when we're cut, when we're pruned, it's all to produce more fruit in our lives. Better fruit, sweeter fruit. He's working it out in us. But you and I have to recognize this, don't we? We have to allow the cuts of our life to turn into the fruit of love. The pain that we experience to turn into joy. The fight that we're in to turn into the fruit of peace. The frustration that we have to turn into the fruit of patience. The hatred that's all around us to turn into the fruit of kindness. Something that was meant to be wicked to turn into the fruit of goodness. Disloyalty can become the fruit of faithfulness. And a heart that's hard can change into a gentle one. And instability can turn into the fruit of self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. Nothing is wasted in your story, in your life. It's all about producing sweet fruit. He's working it out on you. Blessed are the pruned in heart, for they will experience God. See, your heart, my heart, our inside is so important. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above everything else because it determines the course of your life. So how do we do that? How do we keep our hearts pure? How do we keep our hearts pruned? What does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis in our lives? 
Well, like Jesus in John 15, I, I, found, I find vineyards fascinating these days. It's probably because I was at one recently, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. But I love that Jesus used this vine example in John 15, and, and I want to share three principles of a successful vineyard with you, and that also relate to successfully pruning or purifying your heart on a day-to-day basis. This is the application. The first principle of a successful vineyard is that it must receive constant exposure to the sun. And so just the same as your heart, in order to grow properly, you must receive constant exposure to the light of the sun, who is Jesus. Jesus says in John 15, I've already cleansed you, katharos, that word again, pruned you by my word the teachings of Jesus. See, you and I can keep our hearts pruned and pure by being in his word, but it's not just about reading the Bible like a duty. It's it's not about taking a vitamin or a pill. It's about soaking up this love letter, getting your roots down deep into him, and realizing that that those words are as alive and active today as they were 2,000 years ago. It's about your roots growing down deep into him and your life taking hold of him and being built on him. It's about you coming to the realization that he is constantly chasing you and pursuing you. And when you listen to his voice and read his word, it strengthens your root system. And it's easier to recognize the dead or diseased branches in your life at that point. It's easier to prune the branches down that are are hanging down when you're plugged into his root system. That's why keeping your heart clean and clear and pruned is so important. You know, you and I can read something or see something, and if our hearts are not tuned into it, it will not even register. Man, am I right if you just got elbowed by your wife? But if our hearts are tuned in, and plugged in, and engaged, and open, and you're listening to his voice, then that is transformational. See, obligation won't get you anywhere. God is searching for a responsive heart, a heart with good soil, where seeds can be planted and where fruit can grow. It's not just about words on a page. It's about the voice of Jesus speaking directly to your heart. But if your heart is overgrown with weeds and thistles, then seeds that are trying to get planted will just get choked out. See, the condition of our heart is critical to our life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man stay pure? By living according to his word, by obeying his word. Isaiah 55:11 says it's the same with my word I'll send it out and it always produces fruit it will accomplish all that I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it see I want to be the good soil that his word is being accomplished in you want to prosper in your life you want fruit in your life then allow his word to penetrate your heart and take root in your life but first You must have a pruned heart, a weed-free garden to work with. Secondly, the second principle of a successful vineyard is that it requires intense scrutiny. Intense scrutiny. In order for your heart to be pure and pruned and clean, we must be intentional. We have to intentionally scrutinize and prune our hearts. 
you know as well as I do that your yard doesn't look magically green and luscious and weed-free just by being there. It takes intentional hard work, regular scrutiny and inspection, weeding and pruning. You can't just take a couple months off and hope it'll look the same. It won't. And the same is true with your heart. You have to keep it under constant scrutiny. King David knew <laughs> knows this better than anyone else. He was a man after God's own heart, and he allowed one weed to grow. We have to identify the weeds and then pull them out by the root. Because if your heart is clean and pure and pruned, then everything else will follow. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, A rejoicing heart soon makes a praising tongue. I love that. And Psalm 57, 7 backs him up. It says, My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Your heart is the wellspring of life. I mentioned that I was at a vineyard recently. In September, I uh, traveled up to British Columbia, Canada to meet with a client. And I didn't know until I got there, but he actually owns a vineyard. And he's been uh, doing this. It's been a dream of his doing this for five or six years. The funny thing was, he told me, he said, if I know, knew now how much hard work and money it would take to get to this point, I never would have done it. So much hard work and intense scrutiny goes into it. But he gave me a firsthand tour of his vineyard. It was awesome, a behind-the-scenes look. And we drove right up into the vineyard. We walked through the rows of grapes, the different flavors, and each grape, we were able to pick some off the clusters and taste them, and he showed me uh, how everything worked. Each of the rows of the vines, they have this wire right near the top, and he said, if the vine starts to grow above that wire, we have to cut it back. Well, why is that? Because it'll take too much energy for itself instead of putting it into the fruit. It's taking away energy that should be going into the fruit. And how much is pride like that in our lives? We start growing taller and taller, and pretty soon we think, somehow think that we're the reason for our success. We're the reason we've achieved something. And if we don't cut ourselves back, we're going to be in trouble. Our fruit will be tasteless. You can tell there's pride in your life when there's more going into you than going into what you're producing if nothing gets transferred to your fruit. So we have to constantly scrutinize and be intentional and prune away the top of ourselves so that the growth goes into the fruit and not ourselves. Then my friend, he showed me this cluster of grapes. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It was clear grapes. They looked plastic almost, but they were colorless. And he immediately pruned them right off the branch. They were literally fake grapes. See, if you allow fake grapes to grow in your life, they will just take away from the taste of the real grapes. And that's what it was doing on his vine. So he has to intensely scrutinize and watch out for fake grapes. What do you and I have in our life that replicates real fruit, but it's actually fake? What do we need to prune and throw far, far away if that's the case? See, these fake grapes, they may feel good for a moment. They may make you think you're growing real fruit, but all it's doing is sapping the real energy out of your life, energy that could be used from growing real fruit, real results, God-ordained results, not colorless, tasteless, 
fake fruit. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 7. He says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is the way they act. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. We have to watch out for bad fruit in both our own lives as well as those that we surround ourselves with. The third principle of a successful vineyard is that it must be built on a good slope. Mainly for drainage reasons, vineyards all have to be sloped properly. It's very important they're built on a proper slope. And this vineyard that I was at in Canada, part of the hard work that had gone into making it successful was that he had moved tons and tons, literally, of of dirt to make a proper slope. And behind his vineyard is actually a natural slope of a mountain range. So the, mount, the water from the mountains runs down through his vineyard, and the root system from, from the, the grapes picks up that water. And when you actually drink the wine or you smell the wine, you can get a sense and a taste of the mountain rock from those grapes. And see, the same is true in our lives. If our, if our root system is down deep, and soaking up the runoff from the mountain from the rock, then those that drink of our lives, they can taste Jesus in your life. One of my favorite verses is Colossians 2.7. I shared this with our team last week. Let your roots go down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. If you find somebody that's overflowing with the fruit of thankfulness, they have a root system that's plugged into the rock, that's plugged into the right source. See, if you're rooted in him, you will grow strong, and the fruit of your lives will be overflowing gratitude, overflowing thankfulness. In in studying this whole concept of pruning and, and gardening, I realized something, and maybe you've thought of this before, but it was kind of a revelation to me. See, God created us to be gardeners. If you go back to Genesis 2, verse 15, you'll find that it says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. See, God's design was for man to tend and cultivate the garden, but also to keep it and defend it. He built that nature into us. We were made in the image of God, Imago Dei. We have that nurturing and cultivating a calling in our life, but also defending his garden and those things which he plants. And for Adam, the work of tending the garden of the Lord was, was literally pure worship. And for us, it still is. And then you know the story, sin entered the picture, and from Adam and Eve to you and I, everyone in between, and after us, We're all infected with the sin nature. And to this day, we all fall short of the glory of God. But God had a plan. Where there was no hope, 
he planted a seed of hope. It says in Isaiah 11, verse 1 and 2, it says, Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root, and the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. That was, of course, a prophecy about the coming of Jesus. You see, God went from creating us in one garden to then redeeming us in another garden. In John 19, 41, it says, The place of the crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And you remember the story, Mary Magdalene, on the third day after Jesus was crucified, she went Sunday morning early to the tomb when it was still dark. And she found that the stone had been rolled away and the body of Jesus was gone. And she quickly went to find Peter and John and, and then the boys had a foot race to the tomb. They saw for themselves the stone was rolled away. The body of their Lord was gone. And I, lo I love this. It's so male versus female. The men just take off. They're like confused. They don't know what to do. They just take off. The chick stays there. And Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and she turned to leave, and she saw somebody standing there. And it was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. And he said, Dear woman, why are you crying? And Jesus asked her, Who are you looking for? And the Bible tells us she thought he was the gardener. She said, Sir, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will go and get him. And then Jesus says, Mary. And she says, teach her. She knew in that moment. She thought he was the gardener. You know what? She wasn't all that wrong. He is a gardener. He's the master gardener. And we were created to be gardeners. We were made in his image, the image of the master gardener. We were created in a garden. We were redeemed in a garden. And Revelation 22 says this, tells us that our final restoration will one day take place in a garden. But for today, the here and now, our responsibility as gardeners is not just a physical thing, but primarily an internal heart issue thing. We are commissioned to garden and prune our hearts, to keep our hearts open and ready for the seeds of his word to penetrate the fertile soil of our hearts, to weed out distractions internally so that we can clearly hear his voice, so we can produce fruit from our lives that is sweet and lasting, fruit that tastes like Jesus. See, it's not that Jesus isn't speaking today. It's not that his word doesn't have revelation for us today. The fact is that our gardens are too full of weeds. And they're overgrown. There's no room for the seed, for his voice to take root in our lives. Would you do me a favor and just bow your head for a moment, close your eyes. I just want us to focus in these last minutes on the status of your heart, the status of your garden. What pruning to you do you need to do today? In Luke 13, Jesus told this story. He said, a man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. And the gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. 
leave it another year and I'll pay special attention to it and give it plenty of fertilizer. Listen to me today. You are never just taking up space in God's garden. There is grace. You may not have produced much fruit in this last season or, or any fruit in your life, but God can redeem you. He can turn your stubborn heart into a tender, responsive heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? Because he's speaking, but are you listening? What are the action steps that you need to take in your heart, in your garden? What fruit are you producing with your life? What are those areas that you need to prune? What are the dead branches? What are the diseased branches of your life? What are the branches that are not, hang, we're not reaching for the sun, reaching for the sky, but that are hanging down and they're causing the rest of your tree to take energy away from it? What do you need to prune so that the fruit of your life will be better and sweeter and longer lasting? Father God, we thank you for your word. May it penetrate our hearts today. May our hearts be good soil, ready to receive that seed and grow. Branches that produce much fruit sweeter fruit. God, we tell you today that you can prune us and you can cut us because it's all for your glory. It's all to lift one name high. God, take the pride away. Help us to cut that back so that we can produce better fruit for your kingdom, for your glory for your honor. And just like David said, he was a man after your own heart. And yet he let some weeds grow up in his life. But God, you had grace. You restored him. And we pray like he prayed in Psalm 51, create in me, create in us, God, a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within us. God, change us from the inside out. In your precious name we pray. Amen.